0: Hmm. Welcome everybody to the Moose Room. OG3 is here. Welcome back, Dr. Joe. We, we missed you last episode.
1: I missed you guys too. It was fun listening Aww. to you. Just the two of you guys talk, but I did miss you.
0: Yeah. It sounds so much better without you, doesn't it?
1: I, I, I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with that at all. No,
0: no, we uh, we wouldn't be the OG3 without you, Dr. Joe. So we're glad you're back. And you know, we spent a lot of our last episode on, on a dairy topic, and this week we're gonna really be focusing on beef, but I'm really excited about this episode. So Joe and a team uh, of people that he worked with from Extension, the Vet School, Minnesota Beef Council, recently did a survey just about Minnesota's beef industry. And I've gotten a chance to look at the report a little bit. I know the full report just got released and the report's really interesting. A a lot of stuff that we learned here, but Joe, maybe just to start things off, why don't you give us just the brief overview of why you did the survey, what you were looking for in doing the survey?
1: For sure. So this came up when we were talking myself and a couple of colleagues about what do we know about Minnesota's beef production? And... What do we think we know? And what do we actually know? So there's there a lot of assumptions we were making about Minnesota's beef production in a lot of different ways. We just wanted to confirm some of those things that we had been assuming for a long time. That was part of the, the motivation behind it. But the, the main motivation in my mind was that there's just so many times that I read articles or research or, or something like that where everything is based in another state, one of the other major cattle producing states the one that I pick on the most, nothing against Nebraska, but I read a lot of research from Nebraska and not all of it applies to Minnesota, but we're constantly trying to make it apply to Minnesota. So the the goal was to just let's learn as much as we can about the Minnesota beef industry so that we can direct our research to help Minnesota beef producers and make it specific as possible to Minnesota and our production system and not try to take someone else's research from a different state and try to make it work here. So that that was most of the goal behind this whole project.
0: Yeah, great. And, you know, like I said, it looks like it was a really thorough survey. There's a lot of great information in here. So let's maybe just kick things off. I'm curious, Joe, what is one result from the survey that you found the most surprising?
1: That's a that's a tough question. Like I said, I think a lot of the things that we asked were things that we had assumed and kind of then confirmed, but it's nice to know that those assumptions were correct. The biggest surprise was something I knew, but I I didn't know it was to that that degree. So one of the things we found was that when it comes to cow-calf producers and feedlot producers, there's just not that many people that are cow-calfing and feedlot producers that consider it their primary source of income. And I knew that, but with cow-calf producers, when they consider their cow-calf operation, their primary cattle operation, those people, only 21% of them consider their cattle operation, their primary source of income. And then with the feedlot, the same thing set up. There's 35% of people that consider their primary cattle operation feedlot. Only 35% of those people consider their cattle operation, their primary source of income. So something I knew, and and I think we all knew, but to me, to put numbers to it, just really hit home to say, okay, well, only one in five people that have a primary cow-calf operation consider it their primary source of income. So that means there's a, a day job somewhere or something else. This is a uh, an income diversification strategy or a side hustle or whatever you want to call it. It's not their day job. So I think that really frames what we can do in the state in terms of extension and programming and teaching and kind of who we need to direct our programming to.
2: You know, for those listeners out here that don't really know Minnesota or or are located somewhere else, you know, Minnesota is a big state. It's a 12-hour drive from north to south, three to four across. There's a lot of differences in beef production. You know, we have cow-calf, feedlots. Hobby farms, you name it. What what did some of those results show as far as the diversity of beef in, in Minnesota?
1: Well, it, it showed again something that we kind of assumed, but didn't really have any numbers to put to it. But that that there's a lot of cattle operations that are involved in different segments of the industry. The most prevalent being cow calf. So, seventy five percent of our respondents reported that they participate in a cow calf operation, but you know, when we look at, okay, well, what else is everyone involved in? There's seed stock, show stock, stalker, backgrounder, and feedlot. And there's so many people that participate in multiple sections of of the industry. Uh, the most, like I said, 75% of our respondents reported they participate in a cow-calf. 24% of our respondents said they participate in seed stock. 14% said they participate in show stock. And 10% participate in stock or background or operations. And then 29% of our respondents participate in feedlot. And that's scattered all over the state. It's definitely concentrated in certain areas. Uh, I'm really proud that we we had almost every county in Minnesota represented in this survey. So 78 out of the 87 counties in Minnesota were represented. So I think we got enough of a distribution across the state for this data to, to mean something and, and us to probably draw some conclusions as long as they're not too much in the weeds and and really what we saw is that again something that we probably knew but nice to put numbers to that most of our our cow calf operations are in north central southwest and southeast minnesota and then our feedlots are concentrated in southwest southeast and then south central minnesota so more of the southern half of the state with a little bit of a smattering in north central minnesota so I, I think it's it just tells us where our audience is. It tells us where everyone's located and and that beef industry in Minnesota is still diverse and it's still widespread and it's still a big thing.
0: It's really interesting to to see, yeah, how obviously there's a lot of respondents that have more than one operation type with their beef cattle, uh, right? Because if we look at the percentage of respondents for each operation type, it adds up to well over 100%. Um, so, were there any trends you noticed in that, or there any relationships you kind of noticed between some of the different operation types for people that had multiple?
1: Well, I think it's really interesting because we allowed people to identify themselves. We we didn't we didn't define any of these operation styles, so we allowed people to identify themselves in whatever operation style they had. So, seed stock and show stock most often identified also as a cow calf and that makes sense it's basically a specialized cow calf operation the one that got really interesting was feedlot and the size that people identified as feedlot so we had everything from really pretty big operations for for Minnesota uh up over 2500 head to one you know there's someone out there who feeds one steer or heifer out and they are consider themselves a feedlot operation so it was really interesting to see that how people identify themselves in the game and how they they have the mentality of that for their cattle operation so even though they were feeding one animal they still considered that a feedlot operation which i think is cool because it 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 brings people closer together in the industry when people are willing to accept all those different definitions so i i think that was pretty cool those those are the major trends that I, i i like to see is that just a huge range in operation size and what people chose to identify as.
0: I think that's a really great thing about the survey and and what I like about it, just reading the results is, you know, anybody could respond to it, right? Anybody with beef cattle. And, and I really like uh, letting respondents self-identify, you know, like you give the term, But, you know, you aren't defining it as, oh, to be a feedlot, you need to be feeding at least 50 head or or any of those parameters uh, that sometimes disqualify people uh, from surveys like this. And and I think that's really good because then we get a better look at what the actual reality is, you know, for these operations and, and how that fits within just the overall agriculture industry of the state of Minnesota as well. So. I think that that's, uh, you know, a really good way to do it. And it is really interesting to see who is doing what and and how they define what their work is. And I like too, that then you ask people also what their primary operation type was. So we can get a little more in depth um, as to, you know, if they're doing more than one, what's their main one, you know, and, and what does that look like for them?
1: The The cool thing is that you know, this is a cattle survey, a beef industry survey, but we wanted to make sure that in some way it was people focused. Cause that, cause I mean, that's who we're dealing with. That's who we talk to. That's who's running the show. The cattle aren't running the show, even though it might seem like they are at times, but the people are what matter. And that's what matters to us in extension. And that's who the research matters to everything. So I like that that a lot of this probably somewhat unintentionally came out people focused uh, and that that's what we wanted to see It's fun to look at in in the data the context that we we wanted to learn more about people not just their operation
2: so at some point you know we have to market all of our beef whether feedlot or cold cows you found some interesting information related to marketing strategies with farmers what they're unsure about you talked about some new price discovery stuff what what are, what are the big take-homes as far as marketing from a D standpoint?
1: I think the biggest take-home is that auction markets still play a, a major role in Minnesota. And I personally think that's a, a good thing. I, I like auction markets. I like being in auction markets uh, so much so that I rambled for 15 minutes in one of our episodes not too long ago talking about just auction markets. So I, I, I love auction markets. I think they have a, a provide a great service to the Minnesota beef industry i mean there's price discovery like Brad already mentioned reliability of payment is there they're convenient now there's some things that negatives associated with them too but we won't get into too much of those today but but i think they play such a huge role still and i'd like to see that and i think it makes minnesota somewhat unique in that aspect compared to some of our other big production states and and i mean we had I think it was close to seventy-five percent of people market their cull cows still through an auction market. Seventy-two percent, I'm looking at it right here. So, I mean, that's a huge number. And when we look at it that way, they, they just play such a huge, a huge part in the market still, and and almost everybody is is still using an auction market in some way. So that was a big takeaway. The other big takeaway is that something again we assumed and we knew from reporting in Minnesota and Iowa but there's just a lot more cattle in Minnesota that are sold on a live weight basis compared to a lot of other major cattle producing states and that that gives us some some cushion when it comes to price discovery and it makes it a little easier for producers to know how to plan what they're going to get those kind of things again i think it's a good thing some people might see it that we're behind the times and we haven't moved to marketing everything on a grid and doing everything through a contract. But I think it's a good thing. And that hesitation, yeah, it might be rooted in some tradition, but I, I think it, it also provides us some benefits that these other major cattle states are struggling with. And we're struggling with them too, but maybe not as much so as some of the other major states.
2: Uh, well, it's interesting you say that, Joe, about the livestock uh, auctions. And as we look into the future, what that might mean for the beef industry in Minnesota, you know when when I was a kid, there was a lot more auction markets than what there are today. And, and hopefully we can keep those going because obviously it seems to be a, a very important part of the beef industry in Minnesota. And if, if those smaller auctions disappear or go away, then um, it's going to be a, a little more difficult, but uh, so it's, it's good to see that information that that's how people are still marketing their cows. And, and even from a, industry perspective you know we need to keep those going because uh, that that's the number one source of marketing for for farms especially with ones that are maybe not very large and that's what they rely on
1: yeah and that that's what one of the key takeaways for me from this whole project was that auction markets still play a major role and and a lot of producers still depend on them so like brad said i mean there's less every year it seems like or there's a lot fewer than there used to be but I think one of the areas of research that we really want to dig into is how do we maximize the strengths of auction markets in the beef industry in Minnesota while mitigating some of the the risks or the the negatives associated with an auction market when it comes to cattle health and stress and things like that, and biosecurity especially. That's the area that I'm most excited to try to explore. How do we maximize the benefits of an auction market while mitigating some of the risks? That's been a topic forever. It's nothing new. Um, but I think it is somewhat unique to Minnesota that we depend on them so much. And we really need to, I think, double down on the fact that we do depend on them. I think they're essential to the way our market functions.
0: And Joe, would you say that the amount of cattle that we do have going through the auction markets is somewhat unique to Minnesota? You know, did, did you compare that to data or any available data from other states of, you know, how how those things are moving. I mean, I know it's high compared to the bigger beef states like Nebraska, but do you have any insight into what that kind of looks like in other states in the region?
1: Uh, and I think it it is somewhat unique. And I think that auction markets still play a major role in other states as well. But it all comes down to kind of some inferring from our live weight percentage of our cattle that are still marketed on a live weight basis that allows us to say, okay, well, there's something different about Minnesota when we compare to Oklahoma, Texas, Nebraska, you know, some of the big states that, that almost everything is sold on a contracted grid or a hanging weight basis. So it's just something that, that we found in Minnesota that's different. And again, we need to celebrate that it is different and be proud of that because, I mean, we're looking at, one and a half to two times more cattle are marketed on a live cash basis than on a dress formula or on a negotiated grid. So I mean that that's different compared to a lot of the major states. And, and I think it's a good thing.
0: And speaking of of other states, I know we've kind of talked about the comparison on the the marketing side, but did you, you know, what did you find on kind of the the production and management side as far as how producers in Minnesota might measure up to producers in other states in the region. You know, are there a lot of differences in management production practices, or is it pretty, pretty, you know, even keel across the region?
1: Well, one of the major differences that we saw on the cow-calf side was that in Minnesota, there's only about 63% of producers that report preconditioning in some way. And when we look at national data, uh comparing that to other states in the region in the central region uh it's low we're we're low uh compared to to that data so there's some disconnect there whether cow calf producers don't see the benefit uh, in terms of pounds or or added price or uh, we have a facilities issue where it makes it tough or there's some other logistics at play with crop farming and everything else that comes into that we need to explore that a lot more. Why why aren't we doing it as much as other states? And my opinion is that probably it is a combination of logistics and economics. If calpath producers aren't seeing the benefit when it comes to price for doing those things, why spend the time on it? I, I mean, I don't I can't blame you for not doing it if no one's gonna pay you. I mean that that that's what it comes down to. If I'm going to take the time to to castrate early and get two rounds of vaccines in before weaning and and do all these other things and make sure there's ear tags in every animal, if I don't see the the return on that investment, then I wouldn't do it either. So I think we got to look into that a lot more. The other thing that we saw when we were comparing the other states is, is really looking at the FinBIN database and, and looking at general metrics related to production on the cow-calf side. So when we're looking at cow-calf and production, we're, we're looking at things like pounds of calf weaned per cow exposed, uh, big metrics like that that kind of take into account not only production of that calf and how much they gain, but our reproductive efficiency as well. So when we look at that number, we see that Our our best producers in terms of production in the state really stack up really nicely with all the other states. They're right there. Same, if not better than all the other best producers in the other states. The other states being North Dakota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, Missouri and Nebraska. And then when we, we look at the middle 50, so right in the middle, what is our median or average producer doing in terms of production? that stacks up really well as well to North Dakota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, Missouri, and Nebraska. Where we really fall off in that database at least is when we look at our bottom 10% of producers in terms of production. So to be clear, that has nothing to do with size of operation, but it has to do with their production data. And and the bottom 10% in terms of production is way lower compared to some of the other states specifically north dakota south dakota and wisconsin and that that to me says that we we have really really good producers in the state and we're doing really really well comparing to other states but at the bottom we're leaving some people behind and our industry would benefit a lot from making sure that we bring that bottom up and pay some attention to to making sure we don't leave that bottom behind we can take our top higher but but the biggest benefit is going to get those producers that are on the bottom to, to move up. And that'll improve the Minnesota beef industry, I think more than trying to take the top higher.
0: And I just wanna note really quick, uh, Joe, you mentioned Finbin and I just wanna give a quick quick plug for that database. Uh, if you aren't familiar with Finbin, you should really check it out. Uh, so you can find it at finbin.umn.edu. So F-I-N-B-I-N.umn.edu. And you can find a lot of really great um, summary reports and benchmark reports about production and financials of all types of farming enterprises, not just beef. You can look at whole farm, crop, livestock, and and all of those broken down as well. It's a really great management tool uh, that's available to producers for free. It's put together by the Center for Farm Financial Management at the U of M. And they do a really great job capturing this data and helping you figure out ways to look at it and how you can apply it to your operation. And again, do some of that benchmarking um, compared to, you know, and and you, you choose how you want to look at that. You know, is it operations of similar size, operations of similar type, whatever it might be. So, yes, just a little plug for FinBIN. Uh, if you don't check it out now, I, I really recommend that you start using it moving into the future because there's a lot of really great information in there.
2: So, Joe, you, you do a, a big survey like this. Obviously, there's you know some motivations behind it as far as where to put extension efforts or research efforts. You know what? Where are we going to go in the future? We, we've got all this information, and obviously, we want to put it to good use for for producers in in the state. Where, where do we go or what direction is it, is it showing that, that we should go?
1: Well, this is where we get into my opinion a little bit. It's, it's backed up, I think, by the report and the survey results, but it, it's still my opinion, so we'll be clear there.
2: But you can um, have an opinion. Brad has an opinion every day. so Yeah, Brad, Brad has hey, plenty of okay. opinions.
1: So uh, I think the yeah.
0: whole point of this podcast is it's our opinions. That's so. true. That's Carry true. on, Joe.
1: All right. Well, so uh, in the future... I think the future and what we want to do is, again, I mean, we talked about the specific areas and we need to work on, one being auction markets. And I think making the benefits of those better and doubling down on that and then trying to figure out how to minimize or mitigate the negative impacts on cattle health. And then we talked about preconditioning and making sure that we get paid for those things in some way and, and make sure that those things that we know benefit cattle health and benefit the feedlot producer, that cow-calf producers are getting paid for that and figure out why how we can get more people to adopt those practices. Bring the bottom up. That's the other piece of that we just talked about. In terms of how to do that, I think a lot of this comes down to something that we don't talk about enough. And I think the general public often has a misconception about when we talk about and based on the survey results this is true when we talk about the number of cattle in the state the majority of the cattle are represented by a smaller number of large operations and that's the story that everyone runs with right everyone wants to talk about how operations are getting bigger and they're huge and like big farms are bad which is not true i mean let's get that right right away but the other piece of that is that the majority of farmers people are still on small operations. So I think that's the piece that we don't talk about enough. When we talk about the number of operations, the majority of those operations, the majority of people are still involved on small operations. So Minnesota is still based when we talk about the number of people in small farms. That really provides us two vastly different groups a lot of time in how they run their operations, what kind of programming they're looking for, all of that. So we we have a a decent divide. And I'm not saying that you can't talk to both at the same time, but I think we need to really focus some of our programming, knowing that when we're talking to producers, they have a day job. And you can't just be throwing out recommendations that don't work for someone who has to be off the farm for eight hours a day, most days. So I think that's one thing. And then our research itself, I think applied research is the root of everything that we need to be doing at a land grant university. And that applied research should be the basis of most of our programming, but most of our funding, and Brad, you're you're the funding expert with your grant money, most of that is is geared towards the the really advanced stuff, advanced technology, cutting edge, and that's usually what our large operations wanna see. So I just see two, two different sets of programming, two different sets of research almost, where we say, okay, we've got our cutting edge, our advanced technology, and most of the time, that's going to benefit our larger producers, but still could benefit our smaller producers. And then we have other, other things that confirm what we think we know and make sure that we it is true and, and keep us moving forward in that direction by building a knowledge base of the basics so that a lot of people in the industry, we continue at the university to think horses are the solutions when we hear hoofbeats rather than thinking zebras all the time. There's not a silver bullet. There's not a uh, something special. It's not something that I can fix with a vaccine. It comes back to basic management that we talk about on the show all the time. In the future, I think we have two different sets of research that need to happen. Brad, Brad, am, I, am I way off on the funding side of things being kind of skewed towards the, the cutting edge?
2: Oh, uh, no, I agree. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes the basic applied research doesn't get the funding that probably is needed to help producers in the state. And yeah, everybody likes to do the, the new and upcoming and technology. You know, I like to do that stuff, too. But there should also be ways to, to do the basics, you know, of, of how can you help producers do certain things that they're having trouble with. And it can be hard to fund some of that stuff.
1: Yeah. And I see that as a big problem. Like when we have basic questions that we think matter, but we don't know the fact that it's really hard to get that funded is kind of tough to me because I know that the majority of the solutions out there are rooted in that, that basic management. And if I can have more data to show that I would, I would love to get it, but it's really hard to find that funding.
0: Joe, while you uh, put your soapbox away, um, you know, and, and yeah, I just want to say that, you know, we need to be considering a lot of these things. And of course, you know, organizations like extension and and the partners that were worked with on the survey, you know, we, we do want to know what people want and what the needs are and just making sure that we are, you know, covering those needs to the best of our ability. Like, that's why we do this. So, I'm sure there are many people out there listening like, oh, yeah, another extension survey. And when they get a, another one or an email or something about it, they're like, oh, gosh, here we go. But I also want you to see that that this is why we do that, uh, because this is really, really valuable information that will help inform not only our work, but but the work of other organizations in the state and in the region as well. And it helps us find what those needs are as well. So I think that that's all really, really useful information to have. As we kind of wrap things up here, uh, where can people find the, the full survey, all, all the results and everything?
1: Well, I, I will tell you that uh, the full report, it, it's a read. It's, uh, it's 40 some pages, so light reading before bed is recommended. Uh, but you can find the full report at z.umn.edu slash mnbeefreport. And then you can find the summary, which I think a lot of people will be interested in, in z.umn.edu slash mnbeefreportsum, S-U-M.
0: And I also imagine that uh, the links will be in the show notes for this episode as well, so you can find all that information. That is all that we have for you today. Uh, please be sure to, to go and, and read the summary or read the full report if, if you're really up for 41 pages of fun. And as always, if you have questions, comments, or scathing rebuttals, you can email us at mooseroom at umn.edu.
1: That's T-H-E-M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at umn.edu.
0: If you prefer to use your voice, you can also yell at us on our new voicemail, which you can connect to by dialing 612-624-3610. You can find us on Twitter at umnmoosroom and at UMN Farm safety. And be sure to check out our website, extension.umn.edu. Bye. 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 Ooh, Brad did the little up thing this time.
1: We're getting to him.
0: Uh, ha! breaking him down slowly but surely.
1: Um...